Welcome back to the Line to Gain podcast. Uh, my name is Jeremy Dixon, here as always with Mike Parker. Uh, this is episode four, I guess a, a look back at week three and a look ahead at week four of the uh, 2022 NFL season. Mike, how you doing, man? Doing really good. Um, I did was able to improve my kind of football watching experience this last weekend. I got a picture. I had, I had a whole <laughs> setup. I have the computer set up for taking notes. I had a uh, large iPad that I use for watching like a full game. I think the last week it was um, here in Seattle it was Indy and and, uh, and Kansas City. And then I had, you know, the red zone on the big TV. It was nice. it was a lot of fun sitting there. Um, the eight hours or whatever it was <laughs> went, went right by. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Um, yeah, well, we had some good games this last week. We had uh, you know, a lot of intrigue, a lot of uh, like kind of uh, crazy wins that that you wouldn't necessarily predict based on some some uh, statistics that we found. And um, yeah, I guess like hopping right into it. Um, I don't know. I think I wanted to, I wanted to just get into my gambling, uh, Jeremy's gambling losses right off the bat, if that's all right with you. Let's do it, man. Okay. So I know like last week I, I mentioned during the show, I was like, Hey, I bet already bet a hundred dollars on my, or uh, Buffalo to beat Miami. And I think the spread was five and a half when I bet on it. Whoops. So, well, here's the thing. So on this gambling website that we use, they will offer you a buyout of your bet like before the game starts and my buddy primo was just like four of buffalo's defensive backs or uh, two of their defensive backs and two of their defensive linemen this website you use it's called bovada do they pay out in pesos no it's called bovada it's a legit 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 offshore betting uh betting site anyway they uh they offer a buyout though so my buddy primo is just like i don't feel good about this game jeremy i think this is the wrong move he talked me out of it so i was able at the last minute to to basically cash that uh cash my hundred dollar bet in for to get 88 dollars back so i lost 12 dollars on it well thankfully i did that because obviously Buffalo lost to Miami in one of the flukiest games of all time, possibly. Um, but then I put that money on the Ravens minus three against New England, which was a big winner. So, um, so I, I, I ended up losing $12 on my Buffalo bet, but I didn't lose the big amount. One on that Ravens bet. So let me understand it. Was that because of the hedge? Did you hedge? Well, I just no, I just like opted out of the bet and oh. got eighty eight dollars of my hundred dollars. They, they back. take a pound of flesh. Yeah, okay, basically, okay. yeah, they take a take a chunk out. But so one hundred and twenty pesos. Yeah, so yeah. one hundred and twenty pesos out. Uh, so and so I bet on that game. I also bet on I bet pretty heavy, like thirty dollars. Heavy is not really that much. But anyway, for me, that's a yeah. Usually, I'm betting like ten dollars, fifteen dollars at a time. Anyway, I bet. $30, I think, on the San Francisco-Denver game. I took San Francisco minus 1.5. Just, I don't know. Well, t- I don't know how bad either of, like, I think those two might be two terrible teams, and I just was confused that San Francisco looked better than 
been so much better than Denver. They're but definitely I on my list coming up. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely talk about that. So uh, yeah, t- took a big uh, took a big W in the uh, Ravens Patriots game, which I think I predicted that one as well. I have my I'm keeping my predictions now, so I can go back over them uh, later in the game. Uh, and then I also won uh, like made a twenty dollar bet on Detroit uh, plus the five points, which was, ended up being a winner. So. Got I, I I broke even essentially um, uh, over the weekend and that's right yeah Minnesota feeling won good by four in that in that game right yeah yeah, yeah. so so yeah that's where uh, that's where Jeremy's gambling L's uh, stand for the week I guess I, I broke even I might have actually I might have been like ten or twenty dollars ahead that's so the end of what the I'd week. like you to do is for next week yeah. calculate your wins lost for the previous two weeks of the season or the previous okay. three and let's. Let's have a running total have a t- a of tally where you're of, at. Yeah, yeah, have a tally of how much I've won or lost. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, you you it got might, it might be might... depressing or not. We'll true. see. True. Yeah. Very true. Very true. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to some of our takeaways from the week, Mike. Where where are you at? So my first observation. We'll start with my observations of last week. My first observation was the Buffalo at Miami matchup. Um, I w- watched much of that game um, on the red zone. They were these teams were inside that rent zone quite often, well, especially the Buffalo yeah, Bills. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not sure why I'm rooting for the Dolphins. I come downstairs and my wife, I asked my wife, like, you know, what happened while I was gone? Just completely a joke. She's not even paying attention. And she goes, I like the team with the teal. So she's a huge Miami fan as well, apparently, that I, I didn't know about. Um, I like that she's a huge Miami yeah, fan. She loves the uniforms, she said. Um, so... You know, after this week, I signed up for the Two Anon newsletter, so we'll see kind of what happens with that. Uh, but I'm I'm in right now. You know, on the on the Dolphins. Um, I thought it was a very hard hitting game. Um, honestly, with these kind of prolific offenses, um, I didn't expect such a violent game. Uh, there was a lot of kind of late hits, including the one play where Tua took a late hit, and he looked massively concussed i don't know if you saw this or the, re- the replay it. or whatever he stood up and was shaking his head like you know and what like wobbling back to the well he stood up shook his head like three times kind of like you know yeah bobbleheaded it and then started to walk took about two or three steps and then collapsed right and then his lineman like picked him up and, and i feel like the lineman is there like oh like oh shit he's really hurt but i'm gonna like but I, I know it's a concussion. I think this is what I saw. I saw like the lineman knows it's a concussion. He picks him up and tries to like essentially escort him off um, the field, almost to mitigate the fact that Tua has a has a concussion. Um, so I mean, great job, kind of backing your player up. But um, I don't know. It looked really, really, really ugly. Um, I was so surprised when he came back to the third quarter. So after he got hurt. Um, they're finishing up the second quarter. Um, Teddy Two Gloves comes in, goes 0 for 2, halftime, right? And I'm like, all right, this game is over. There's no way without Tua. And I never thought I'd say those that statement either, right. that the Miami Dolphins are going to win this game against, you know, Josh Allen and the, and the Buffalo Bills. But sure enough, he comes back and he plays pretty well. I think he had one big throw over the middle um, that got him into uh, a scoring position. So he... Made a couple of big plays in the second half to, to get them up. Um, 
apparently the NFLPA is announcing uh, that it's opening an investigation into the issue, uh, the TUA issue. Um, so more to come on that, I'm sure. I didn't see any new news on that. I'm not sure we will till till next week. Yeah, I heard that as well. I mean, it, I, I did hear some, yeah, them explaining a way that he had a, a back issue that was like his back was tightening up or he had a nerve in his back that was bothering him and that that's what caused his legs to kind of wobble out from under him, which sounds like a pretty ridiculous I mean, from after seeing seeing him wobble, and I mean, it sure as hell did look like a concussion. I don't know if you've ever had a concussion. I have had multiple in yeah, high school. Sa- same here. Um, skiing, I got a pretty bad skiing. But you stand up and you shake your head because, like, your equilibrium. You see, no, you will see stars. You see, also, yeah, you're trying well, to shake yeah, yeah. that out of there, right? So I don't know why he would shake his head in a scenario where he has a back stinger or something like that yeah i you know i call bullshit on that but you know we'll see i'm sure nothing will happen of it you know ultimately maybe the the miami dolphins get fined or something but whatever right one of my takeaways was a shock we were talking just before the the show started um about that i i saw a stat and i didn't get the exact stat i couldn't find the tweet but it was that buffalo had outgained miami by 275 plus yards in the game on Sunday and lost and that that was only like the second time out of like I want to say the last 120 or 118 times that that occurrence has happened in a game that the that the outgaining team has actually lost the game and the other time that that happened I saw that it was Miami and Tua it was it was Sunday and then there was a, a game last year that Miami and Tua were involved in as well and you said you thought it was the a Buffalo game I last thought I had year, thought so a, a stat that on, could on be Twitter yeah I can't was, remember who the opponent yeah. was but I, that, that's pretty shocking that they were able to to find a, a way to muster up a win with uh being out out gained by that many yards i mean that's great and like the time of possession and all those other kind of i got, I got some additional stats okay, uh, coming up later on in this good segment good. here so um the final play was wild i don't know if you saw that one as well um and it was the reaction of ken dorsey after saw um, that. the play ended where i was like what happened who messed up right so i was trying to th- did did josh allen not make the right read did did dorsey call the wrong play like what happened why was he so so mad so i took an opportunity to kind of look at at the play and i kind of broke it down a little bit to try and figure that out and and then i i came to a conclusion so okay. here we go the situation buffalo's moving uh right to left on your screen uh from their own 47. there's 18 seconds left it's second and 20 after a holding call um, they need to get to the Miami 40 to have that game-winning field goal attempt. All right, so then you make it about uh, 17. I'm sorry, 27 yards, right? Yeah, 27 yards. So formation um, for Buffalo is we have Gabe Davis at the top of your screen set wide. Um, we have uh, tight end Dawson Knox set up tight on the line just off of the right tackle's hip. We have Josh Allen in shotgun with uh, running back Zach Moss on his left hip. Uh, Jamison Crowder's in the slot on the left side of the formation. Isaiah McKenzie set wide uh, down at the bottom of the screen. Uh, note, uh, Stefan Diggs was having some significant issues with cramping. Apparently, 
um, the September heat Miami was causing a lot of the Buffalo Bills players to cramp up and things like that. So that definitely played a factor here. Also, Miami's D was playing really, really soft coverage. They were, um, the, the DBs were sitting back around the Miami 45, um, about seven yards off the receivers. So that's the setup for the formation. Now, the moment the ball is snapped, you have Davis and Knox on the, on the uh, uh, top of your screen. They both run post routes. So uh, Davis was at a 15 yard post and Knox at a seven yard post. So basically that's go seven yards, break in towards the center of the field. In this case, they would have been going left. Okay. So uh, Crowder runs uh, from the slot, a seven yard corner, kind of the same concept, run to the seven yard. And at that moment you make that, um, that angle cut towards what would be the corner of the end zone, hence the name corner. Um, So, and then McKenzie lined up on the far uh, left of that, formation he kind of hesitates almost like a iverson crossover dribble right just kind of like shakes a little bit and then uh he uh drags across the middle about four yards from the line of scrimmage um he's heading towards the uh, right side he's wide open you know when i paused right off that line no no defenders within about 10 yards of him now um in this case mckenzie's the read so you're getting all um, out uh, all other receivers to go left, dr- dragging all defenders that direction on the field, and okay. then you're going to run that drag right underneath. Now the hope, I assume, is that you're going to have McKenzie in space, heading towards that forty in the sideline, um, with an opportunity to get out of bounds and get close to that forty, that that uh, Miami forty yard line. Okay. Okay. So that's what any timeouts left at this time? No, no timeouts for either team. That's a great question. So um, I did notice that the 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 defender that was on top of um, Davis, he released Davis for the deep post to the safety. So he kind of stayed kind of hunting that sideline. So worst case scenario at this point, if everything goes off without a hitch, McKenzie has to beat this defender, get him in space, beat one man, and you're out of bounds within field goal range, giving your team an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I still think it's a, a great matchup for, you know, yeah. uh, for the Buffalo Bills. So to me, this is the concept that they had put in place, and it looks like the play design's pretty good. And McKenzie looked like the right read because he was wide open in the middle, making that way towards that uh, sideline at the top of your screen. Okay. Okay? All right. So this is where everything goes haywire. I call it the Ingram effect. Miami is in quarter defense. So that means they have seven defensive backs in a four-man front. All right. Your left um, defensive end uh, sitting in a five technique just outside of the uh, right tackle. You have your defensive tackle and a one or zero tech. I don't, I couldn't tell the spacing, but a zero is on top of your center and a one is between uh, the center and the uh, and, and the guard. And they were on that right side. You, uh, we have a Will and Mike linebacker. The Mike linebacker was sitting in a three technique um, on the uh, right side, the uh, right side of the defensive front. And then we had Ingram, the Will linebacker, out on a seven technique. So he's outside. 
um, what would be the, you know, if there was a tight end there, he'd be outside of that tight end position. So it was a couple of groupings past the left tackle. So smartly, um, Buffalo kept Moss in to protect Allen. So Moss wasn't going to go out into any in, in routes. He was specifically there to pick up a blitz and then help with the left tackle on the outside. Okay. <clears throat> so upon the snap, um, Ingram, the Mike uh, linebacker and the Will, oh, I'm sorry, um, the Mike linebacker and Ingram, who was the Will, engage in inside speed rush. They collapse the left guard into the, into, or, yeah, into the left tackle. Uh, Moss is on the outside of that left tackle helping there. Um, Ingram stunts back inside, basically unblocked. So the, the idea was to move that offensive line to the right and then stunt back into the gap that's left okay. after, that, uh, after that move. He's wide open. He, ha he has Allen in his sights. Allen ducks. Miss, you know, Ingram whiffs. Okay. Allen ducks. Ingram whiffs. He steps up and then goes to throw to McKenzie. At this point, the timing's all off. McKenzie's flat-footed, waiting for, you know, um, right. Allen to get into position to throw the ball. Allen gets caught from behind by the pass rush that's coming on the, on his left side at this point because so much time has gone by. Okay. So he's falling and just kind of shovel, almost shovel passes it to McKenzie. He catches the ball flat-footed. By this point, the defender that was sitting on top of Knox had come back in to that uh, what was an open field, and McKenzie had to kind of like navigate that. Gets around him, but that allowed the other um, Dolphin defenders to kind of swarm and uh, and get him tackled inbounds, far short of that forty-yard line target no time to spike the ball yeah and obviously we all know the clock ticked away buffalo was unable to get another playoff and ken dorsey lost his freaking mind ken, a game over and ken dorsey kills his surface so i thought so my conclusion was it was a good play call by ken dorsey yeah and it was the right read by josh allen the unfortunate part about it or fortunately if you're a miami dolphins fan it was a, a spectacular defensive play uh up front Nice. Yeah, no, I. That's uh, that's this this is this is why people listen to this show, Mike. It's hard hitting, <laughs> hard hitting analysis right here. I like it. So we talked about stats earlier, right? So my question was, how did Miami even win this game based on these stats? So let's take a look at this. Buffalo had 492 total yards to Miami's 212. <laughs> uh, Buffalo had 31 first downs to Miami's 15. Buffalo was 11 for 18 on third down conversions and two for three on fourth down conversions. Miami was just three for eight on their third down conversions. So uh, Buffalo is getting their first downs. They're converting on third downs. They are moving the ball up and down this field. I mean, based on those statistics alone, like you're like Buffalo dominated that game. It was, it was like 35 to 14, right? Um so they also, Buffalo also won the uh, time of possession two to one. So there was uh, 42 minutes possessed by uh, Buffalo and like 19 and change possessed uh, by Miami. So that's, that's a significant difference as well. Yeah. Uh, Miami's starting quarterback left in the late uh, second quarter, as we mentioned earlier. Teddy Two Gloves comes in, goes 0 for 2. Tua comes back. Like all of the things, you know, you lose your starting quarterback 
you know, you're losing the time of possession, you're losing total yards, you can't convert on third down efficiently, like all these things. Um, I can't believe they won. I, so this is the, to me, this is one of those games where Every season, a team is going to have to play a game like this. Um, we'll have to see if it's sustainable, um, especially as we get into the, lar- the latter part of the season, uh, the winter where things get cold and slow, and let's see if they can um, maintain their dominance with speed. But honestly, if you want to be a champion in the NFL, you're going to have to win games like this. You're going to have to come back and beat the Ravens. You're going to have to play a tough game like this, and despite not playing well, and not hitting and getting, you know, have, seeing some injuries, you come back and fight back and win. I thought it was a really good win for Miami. I was really impressed with them sticking to it and getting them, putting themselves in a position to win that game and ultimately played just an amazing, amazing defensive down for that last play. Yeah, no, I, I, that's my, it was mind blowing that they, first of all, that I, I was shocked that Buffalo won or uh, didn't win that game and that just the yeah when once you like dig into the the further stats like you just mentioned the time of possession and yardage and all these things it's like how like that that's a miraculous victory yeah two weeks in a row really I still think Buffalo is a better team oh they were they were losing they they didn't have a couple players on their defensive secondary that were really important uh Micah Hyde uh, was Poyer? I think Poyer was injured as well. Yeah. Um, so you know maybe the the next matchup that's a that's a different situation. But I mean, regardless, Miami played a great game. Yeah, I mean they they definitely uh, did what they had to do to win. Uh, my next or my kind of one of my takeaways from this weekend, AFC West, all the talk of how great that comp- that that was going to be the best division and. NFL history going into the season. I mean, I think there were there was some talk about that. I'm always uh, really apprehensive about those types yeah, of statements. Yeah, that uh, it's really they're not living up to the hype at all, man. Like they're, the, no, I mean, and it's not even a situation where they're beating up on each other. We see no. that before, where like the, the conference is so good that right. they kind of beat up on, on each other. They're just like not performing no, at all against anybody. Against I mean, anybody. it's it's crazy. Like, uh, you know, I know Justin Herbert's dealing with some cracked rib cartilage or something, but that defense is atrocious in San Diego, uh, Kansas city. I mean, they couldn't get out of their own way on, on Sunday. Uh, Denver won, uh, just a game where they looked like absolute garbage for three and a half quarters again, two weeks in a row now. And then the, the Raiders just find ways to lose every week. So, yeah, I got a couple of comments. Um, on uh, the Chargers and um, the Raiders a little bit later. So I definitely agree. I'm not sure what this is yeah. yet, you know. Right. All right. Um, my uh, One of my observations this week, I watched a, a chunk of that Philly-Washington game. Okay. All right. So uh, Philly beat the traffickers 24-8. Uh, to uh, Jalen Hurts looks like a real quarterback. Um, he went 22 for 35, 63%. I'd like to see that up a little bit higher, but he went, yeah, he went I think for, he's like 66, 68%, something like that yeah, on the season. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he threw for 340 yards and three touchdowns. So he did kind of like, he made it count. Yeah. Um, Eagles put the D in dominant They're They're, they look amazing. 17 quarterback hits on Carson Wentz, nine Ooh. sacks. 
Golly. And caused a turnover where Wentz fumbled. Um, now, you all know that I've purchased some property on Eagles Island. I'm actually doubling down. I'm going to have it zoned for commercial. I'm going to create an entire like city, SimCity style, um, on Eagles Island. And once we get it all built out, we'll start kind of inviting you know, I'll invite you, Jeremy, so you can take a look at it. I appreciate that. So let's take a look. Um, the Eagles are 3-0. and um, They're only one of two uh, undefeated teams in the NFL right now, Miami. The aforementioned Miami, one of the others. Um, their next five are Jacksonville, although that's a tough matchup. That's uh, in Jacksonville. Maybe. I mean, we have, you know, Hurricane Ian uh, barreling down on Florida right now. So yeah. we'll see what happens with that. They're at Arizona, which is a very inconsistent team. Um, they go into Dallas uh, playing a backup quarterback. Um, so that'll be an interesting matchup. Um, they have a week seven bye, and then they have uh, Pittsburgh um, at home. Actually, they're, they're, they're home at, versus Dallas playing against a backup bye, and then at home versus Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh, who have a horrible <laughs> quarterback. And they lost their elite, def, you know, pass rush, pass rusher um, T.J. Watt, and then they're at Houston. Now, a spunky team, I suppose, but they tend to kind of fizzle out as the as the game gets towards the end there. So, um, man, are they going to be like seven and one, eight no after that uh, that Houston game? Um, who knows? I mean, I think their biggest challenges coming up the rest of the year are going to be at Green or at home versus Green Bay Week Twelve. Um, that at New York Giants Week Fourteen, at Dallas Week Sixteen, and uh, versus the Giants again to end the season. I think just having the Giants within about a month of each other is always it's always tough to kind of game plan for those. Man, they could potentially get up to 13, 14 wins this season. So. I am I am really high on the Eagles this year. I would not uh, would not be surprised one bit. They yeah they look I mean they look every bit as dominant as any team I've seen this year. So that includes Buffalo and their kind of trouncing of the their first two opponents. Um yeah but I'm I'm excited uh, I'm anxious to see what they can do. I'm the the Jaguars Eagles game is one of my my ones I'm really looking forward to this weekend. So. Um, my last kind of takeaway from this, this third weekend though, Mike is, are the Cowboys a better team without Dak Prescott? Ewing theory. The committee has been meeting for like a week on this. So I'm, I'm interested. I'm, 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 I'm curious as to what the, I think that their running game is really, really good. More so because Pollard, of Pollard, more so for sure because of Pollard than Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Ezekiel Elliott does have a nose for the end zone, though, and I just feel like uh, Cooper Rush just makes – kind of manages the game well enough to, to get points on the board and and then let that – like he, he realizes that they have a special defense, um, especially with uh, Micah Parsons is just a, a monster out there. I really think it's a coincidence to your point. I, yeah. I think the defense is so good right now. They're playing so well yeah. that to, to your point, like if, if Cooper Rush doesn't push it or doesn't make a mistake, then they'll be fine. Right. He only made a couple of good throws down to CeeDee Lamb. The, the Ezekiel, it's still not running the ball very well. 
Poggle looks okay. Um, offensively, it's really just don't make mistakes. Uh, that defense it feels looks a lot really, like really good. Uh, feels like a lot a lot like the uh, 2000 or whatever it was Baltimore Ravens with Tr- Trent Dilfer. I am not I, just not doing anything. Uh, I wouldn't go. I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. <laughs> 2000 I mean, Ravens. At obviously, this point. their defense isn't as good as the 2000 Ravens. But yeah, the, a lot saying, of their things aren't yeah, that good. I yeah. mean, they did, had a really. They had an amazing run game and an amazing offensive line. Okay, in that yeah, maybe that Ravens, maybe that which, was a bad. But okay, so that it's definitely a game management. Ball control type situation. is where yeah, yeah, ball control don't make mistakes. Um, I think Dak is so. This is the thing I, I I question, right? So like Dak's in there. Maybe he you call plays differently. Maybe you take more risks offensively because you know he has the arm or has the ability right. to do that, and that causes some more turnovers and kind of puts you know your team in a, in a bad position. Maybe when you're only using half of the playbook with with Cooper Rush you he you know he doesn't have the arm talent so you know he you, you never design throws to go you know in certain directions and certain routes sure. they're just not there so i wonder if there's something of that that's kind of bedded in there embedded but i my guess is defenses are going to start to catch up um, my takeaway from monday night was the giants aren't as good as they were being kind of uh, billed to be, you know, the fir- after the first two weeks. Uh, I saw a lot of drops. Um, they hurt themselves defensively. They were pretty bad on the back end. Um, C.D. Lamb had a really good night. So, I don't know. I, I put some of that on the on the Giants' D. And not uh, all I on agree. Cooper Rush's, you know, ability to win a game. Yeah, okay. Just, I'm just throwing that out there. I no, feel like no, every other. Point. I feel like every other NFL show, all they do is talk about uh, the Cowboys. So yeah. I was like, might as well sprinkle a little Cowboy material in here. No, it's a good point. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just kind of throwing my own analysis out too. Yeah. All right. So I have a couple uh, things where I was wrong. Um, I'm declaring it right now. I'm officially liquidating my stock in the Seattle uh, win total um, of <laughs> six and a half. Wait, I'm, wait, why? Uh, I'll, I'll get to that. So I've decided to take the financial hit and just sell it and take the tax write off. Okay. Um, in order to keep this alive, I assume to win over the Falcons. Uh, but with the loss, I'm just not sure where the wins are going to come from. That's kind of the conclusion I came to. Um, I'm not crossing Seattle off yet. Uh, I think I'm, I'm hesitant to, to write off any team uh, until after week four so maybe after next week for for our uh, week five uh, roundup we can take a look at some cross-off teams maybe we each come up with a cross-off team okay um, and then we'll kind of play that out through the rest of the season every week we'll like say okay houston houston's gone seattle's gone etc right i got you so yeah, we'll, like we'll add that in and kind of track that throughout the season but um, like I said, not ready to write anybody off right now. I think it's a little too early, but um, we'll see after after the first quarter of the of the season. Yeah. Um, so so Seattle not being able to stop Atlanta from uh, looking like an offensive juggernaut, and is, not not be able to move the ball on them either. They're not top ten defensive team. They have one really good defensive back who seemed to like really shut down Metcalf right. again. I'm going to go on record being I'm not very impressed with I'm I'm impressed with his physical ability and his size and strength and speed. Right. But I'm not um, 
really impressed by his ability to play the wide receiver position. Right. He, he's not winning the matchups that I think he should win. He's not really coming down with the catches that I think he should come down with. I mean, I'm just a guy sitting in front of a microphone right now. So I, I'm, I'm definitely, I understand how difficult a, a job that is. And he is way better at what he does than anything that I'm <laughs> good at. <laughs> right. So I, I I'm putting it all in perspective, but yeah. you know, if I'm to, kind of put myself in a position of being a critic that would be my my criticisms there he definitely drops too many balls fumbles too many balls like it's uh yeah it's a thing it's so big it's so big i mean you have to possess that ball so i thought the late games um were going to be better this week and i wasn't really excited about any of the early matchups but man i was wrong um just another great early witching hour for those early games um we had five games that were decided by uh, four points or less, uh, all with the trailing team possessing the ball in the last two minutes. So we had Detroit at Minnesota. Minnesota wins by four. Uh, Buffalo had an opportunity before they threw a pick. Uh, Buffalo at Miami. Uh, Miami wins by two. Again, we went over what happened you know, right. at the end of that game. Uh, we have Las Vegas at Tennessee. Um, Tennessee wins by two, much needed. We had Houston at Chicago, with Chicago winning by three, and uh, Kansas City and Indianapolis, which was a re- the biggest shocker for me, how well Indianapolis played, and they won by three. So for that one, I'm not sure I'm out on Indianapolis anymore. I mean, now they're 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Uh, I think they got a soft schedule coming up a little bit, so yeah. might, they might be able to get some win columns. And Well, and people were hyping them big time before the season, so – I, I wasn't when you know I was. They look so good. Yeah, during the hard was, knocks. Yeah, yeah. Era. No, they that, did. That last stretch year. of games. They, they, the, they were playing well. Right. They were well coached. I just went, wow, this is a really good team, and they're just got to find that balance again. They got, they, ha, they got to get their sea legs back. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, landlocked. You know, it takes time to get your. <laughs> you got to get sea legs. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Now I've never mentioned this on the podcast, but. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the L on Justin Fields. Um, I watched QB1 on Netflix. Uh, I was impressed. Mm -hmm. He went to Georgia. Um, There was like this racist incident there, and he eventually transferred to Ohio State and then proceeded to go uh, 20 and 2 over the next two years, which he started. Um, He was the fourth quarterback taken in the 2021 draft, 11th pick overall by the Chicago Bears. Um, of course, we had Lawrence going one, uh, Zach Wilson at number two, and Trey Lance at number three. I thought he was the second best quarterback in that in that class, so I would have put him before Zach Wilson and, and Trey Lance, obviously, and Mac Mac Jones. I would have probably had him third after uh, Lawrence and and uh, Zach Wilson, but yeah. I'm going to go on record right now. I don't know what your love of Zach Wilson is about, but there is no way You're that he's... About to find out. There is no way about to find that out. he will be a productive quarterback You're in You're about league. to find out. No way. He's coming. He, he, he can't not throw an interception. We'll see, man. Yeah, we will see. We will. All right, so... so hold on. All right. No, let's, now I'm saying, like, let's hear, I want to hear your reasoning behind writing off uh, Justin, uh, Justin Fields. Fields. So at first I thought it was like Matt Nagy's fault. Okay. And I was like, okay, they're not putting him in a position. They're not setting him up correctly. Uh, I just, I don't know. I watched him play this Sunday and his passing stats were eight for 17. That's 47% completion, 106 yards, two interceptions, and he took five sacks. 
And every time the ball comes out of his hand, it doesn't look like it, like he shouldn't have thrown it. I don't know what he's looking at. He threw it to the same guy twice, almost the same pattern over the same route, almost the same throw over that middle. Got him twice. And I just I don't understand what he's doing. Um, I'm not saying it's all his fault. Um, people say he can play Trent Dilfer like he's got skills. I'm just not seeing it. Um, I, put, I thought about it like this. You know, how everybody said J.J. Redick was like an amazing three-pointer. Like every game that I, uh, three-point shooter, every time I watched him play, running around, catching and, and shooting uh, with Philly and New Orleans, I don't think I ever saw him make a three-point shot. It's like, and that's how I feel about um, Justin Fields. It's like everyone says he has all this ability, but I never see it. I never yeah. see him throw a touchdown pass. I never see him, you know, make a big throw downfield. I never, you know, I never see that stuff. Right. Well, and he looks He's special. He's the J.J. Reddick. He looks special NFL. in college and just, yeah, like, I know, not, I know. I thought he was going I thought fantastic. he was going to be, I thought he was going to be really good. I really did as well. So, yeah, it's, it's really surprising to me that he hasn't been able he hasn't even really shown glimpses like that's the thing with Zach Wilson I feel like I've seen glimpses in some of Zach Wilson's games where I'm like damn that was an impressive throw or like wow like the fact that he just was able to read that defense that way but I haven't seen that one time with Justin Fields and and granted I haven't probably watched as much as, as many Bears games as I have uh you know thrown on a Jets game here and there just because I I kind of like Zach Wilson's style of play but yeah, of interceptions. Just, anyway. well, I will say, I, I, to your point, I think he's the second best from that second second best quarterback from that draft. Now, right? I think it's, he just hasn't had a chance. I to, think it's to fail as I don't, much as no, I don't. I don't know if it's a chance. I've seen him. He makes. He's got a good arm. Makes great throws, but he makes a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. trying to throw into tight windows. Not taking the check down, which but sometimes which was, you have to learn that. But that was his problem coming out of college. That was what everyone had talked about: his inability to take what the defense is given yeah. and move on to the next play. He continually pushes the ball downfield, right. and if he and if he does not learn that this year, I think I just I don't see a road where he becomes successful. Well, the success now, rate for first round quarterbacks is fifty percent. Yeah. And they're, you're getting the plug pulled after two years, maybe three, unless you're Daniel Jones and they give you enough slack. I, I to... think he's good for his his first, you know, his rookie uh, contract. But, you know, are you going to pay him $30 no. million a year for the second contract? Not like, from what... what I've seen so far. Exactly. No. So exactly. Where, where does that put him at that point? He's trade bait. He's, you know, that's three years down the line. The Jets find another quarterback. Like, but, I mean, I feel like this is only his second year. Like, and he hasn't even played yet this year. So, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can really – See how bad he is now? I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I just don't know if, if it's, like, the end-all, be-all at this point. I mean, maybe, like, the end of – if, like, these guys are still having these problems at the end of this year that they've had throughout their first year and then in the beginning of the second year as far as Justin Fields goes – but I just don't know. Like, I think it's a little early to, to pull the plug on any of these guys. Here, I mean, none of them look like Josh Rosen or uh, what's his name? That's uh, Sam Darnold at this point to me. Yeah. So these guys are in the NFL. So they all have 
the ability to be here, right? right. They, they have an arm. They, they have the physical talent to do it, right? At the end of the day, the ones that are successful in this league are the ones that, that utilize, they are able to read the defense. They're basically tapping into the mental side of the game. If if Josh if Zach Wilson cannot do that within the next year, maybe two, if yeah. he can't figure that out, RG three never figured out how to slide effectively. True. All right. It's it's sometimes it's so embedded in who they are, it's it's impossible for them to right. to change. Yeah. No, I, and that's I, my fear yeah, with Zach Wilson. I completely agree, and that's a it's a well-founded fear i completely uh can see where you're coming from i'm just i yeah i want to see what happens over the next like you said year year and a half yeah if by halfway through week eight or you know by week eight next year if zach wilson is still you know the jets are still terrible zach wilson's throwing interceptions and and getting like destroyed on running plays because he's not sliding or going out of bounds then yeah you're probably looking you're not you're probably not giving him the fifth year option and you're probably not uh you're probably looking at another quarterback in well you're probably signing him to the fifth year option because it's still not that big money but you're definitely not signing him to the large contract right maybe you give him the franchise tag if there's no availability there maybe all right so that was where i was wrong all right where i was right this week um i'll take uh i uh my pick rams at arizona at minus three and a half um, that pick hit. I was right, uh, but man, the Rams did not look very good at all uh, in didn't. that game. Um, they did not. Took a late third quarter TD to quote unquote put the game away. The Rams D did a did a good job uh, keeping Kyler inside the tackle box. Um, that's really the formula for beating the Cardinals is keeping Kyler within that space. He was wildly throwing the ball out of bounds like he he couldn't he had a he had a intentional grounding call on him because he wasn't getting out there he wasn't able to get out so he was just chucking the ball out of bounds it looked really, really horrible so i was right um with the win um, but i'm not i'm still not impressed with the rams yeah all right so there's our observations for yeah. uh week three let's uh, look forward to week four um What's your? What are you looking forward to? The number one game for me, uh, you can call it the the battle of uh, should have beat Miami, but it's Buffalo versus Baltimore. Um, really looking forward to this one. Want to see how Buffalo bounces back after such a crazy game and really like. I mean, they statistically speaking, they should have won that game hands down, probably by double digits. Ended up losing. Uh, yeah. Hopefully it's, it's going to be interesting to the health of their secondary with, uh, you know, containing Lamar Jackson. I'm interested to see what Lamar Jackson can do against that defense. Um, you know, it's just going to be a battle of two great quarterbacks. Uh, really looking forward to this one. Yeah, I look at it as a bounce back game for Buffalo um, and really just a sanity check for the Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson has scored more touchdowns than like 16 teams in, in, in the league so far this year. So I expect him that trend to continue. Um, I also believe uh, Baltimore is a really porous defense, uh, really bad on the back end over the last few games, giving up quite a quite a few deep shots, which I think Buffalo is really good at. Right. So I suspect this is going to be um, a barn burner, an offensive game. Um, if I was betting this, I'd, I'd just bet the over. 
Yeah, I think that's probably the the way to go with that one. So my uh, I want to see I want to see that Miami at Cincinnati. So this is the Thursday game coming up tomorrow. Um, I expect it to be a letdown game for Miami. I'm seeing some good things from the Bengals, or you know, improving over from week to week. They got a win last week, so I think they're they're getting their feet underneath them. Uh, it's a quick turnaround uh, for Miami. Tua, I'm not even sure he's playing. I don't know where his head evaluation is. Are they sticking to this back situation story? Yeah, are they, they are they are, are they messing with his head on the sly? Like right. what what like I what's think they there? they said he's not in the concussion protocol as of Monday. Okay. So um, I would assume that 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 you know adding him into it now would probably be kind of saying that they screwed up so I, I don't anticipate seeing that happen but it'll be yeah it'll be interesting to see if they try to use the back to hold them out of the game or not so Bezos has really pushed for some really good matchups on 30 Thursday nights to kind of beef that up right but the games aren't that good and I suspect that's because it's the short week there isn't a lot of Absolutely. practice guys are injured not a lot of rest um, you don't have a lot of time to practice over, you know, two or three days. They get Mondays off. You're in there, what, uh, Tuesday, uh, you're practicing. Wednesday, you're, you know, you're practicing maybe a walkthrough on Wednesday. I right. Mean, it's, I don't know. My, uh, my guess is it's going to be low scoring, problem, yeah. you know, uh, turnover, mistake. Yeah, I think the over under is like again. under over under is like 47. I might go. I might bet. I might hit bet the, the under. under on that. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Bengals are debuting new uh, white, the white and on black. whites on the whites, yeah, yeah the white, the and helmet, the white, white and, on yeah. black uh, striped helmets instead of the orange, which is going to look. They looked pretty sweet. I do like the pictures. alternative uniforms that they're pulling out for that those Thursday night matchups. I do too. Yeah. Of course, as Philly fans, as a Philly fan, I should say, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that Jacksonville at at, at Philly. That was my <clears> third game on my list too. Let's so. keep the party going. Yeah. I want to see is Jacksonville like what what can Jacksonville do against that defense? I mean, that defense looks really really good. Like yeah. you you mentioned that they had 18 hits and nine sacks on Carson Wentz last week. Um, yeah, how does that how does the Jacksonville uh, offensive front hold up against that? Um, they're going to confuse the shit out of Trevor Lawrence. I yeah, think. they're going to they're going to definitely get him into a couple of picks. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just interested. I, I I really like Jalen Hurts, and I'm rooting for him. I think he seems like the fact that he had to leave Alabama because he wasn't going to get the you know he basically got Wally pipped and was going to have to go out to uh, yeah I had to go to Oklahoma and still went and and did you know great things there as well. And then is is finally uh, kind of coming into his own. It feels like in the NFL, and I'm 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 here for it. So. The X factor, maybe Doug Peterson going back to the team where he won a Super Bowl. Oh, I didn't got even think fired. about that. Yeah. He kind of knows how that organization works, right. like what their plays are. Maybe he can uh, prepare his team uh, very well for this game. Yeah. Um, I expect him to come out playing hard early on, but you know, ultimately, I think Philly is a better team. And uh, man, it all for me, it all rests on Jalen Hurts. If he can continue to play like he's playing, mixing up the running and the passing game. Um, the way he has and being, you know, not turning the ball over. I really think this team is good enough everywhere else where they're just going to be a menace. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I agree, man. Um, one of the other games I'm looking really forward to, the third game I was really looking forward to this uh, 
upcoming week is the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Dude, we're Sampatico here, man. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, you're getting a matchup of two legendary quarterbacks again after the we just had uh, Rodgers and Brady. Now you're getting Mahomes and Brady. That should be fun to see. Um, yeah, how do they both uh, bounce back after their first losses of the season? You know, how many uh, Microsoft Surface tablets does Tom Brady break this week? Uh, yeah, so there's, there's acquiring minds want to know. Yeah, I have the pretty much the same points. Uh, top two teams in the NFL coming off, you know, heartbreaking losses, essentially. Right. Um, I think this is a potential uh, Super Bowl matchup. If I was betting five matchups, this would be one of them. Yeah. So it's interesting. Let's see what they what they do. Uh, Tampa Bay is injured on the yeah. offensive side. Um, I'm not sure that's going to get any better this week. Um, I think that defense of Tampa Bay is going to give the Chiefs fits. Yeah. So um, it's a really tough call at home. I would probably favor Tampa Bay, and that puts KC in this weird spot where they win. They're two and two. In just kind of a really well it's a really crappy afc west as we mm-hmm. discussed earlier so maybe it doesn't matter that much but um two and two when you're trying to play for home field advantage getting this top two two three spots in the playoffs i mean i don't know yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one man it's gonna be interesting did you have any other ones you're looking forward to no. or are you ready to go on to some predictions? well i'm looking forward to all the games i'm just gonna read i'm gonna yeah. do the same thing i did last week this week with the computer and the whole thing and just let the games play out and i'll be excited about that but you know those are the it. ones that i on paper that i'm excited to take me take a too look at. me too so we got some predictions right what do you have yeah well i wanted to just run back over mine from last week so i had buffalo uh, minus five and a half at Miami, obviously a big L there. But then I had Baltimore minus three at New England, good win, and I had Jacksonville plus seven at the Chargers. So uh, a couple good wins for me there. Um, so two and one on the week. I'll take that every day. Um, so my first uh, my first prediction for this week, Mike, taking the Giants minus three at home against the Bears. And I think, you know, we talked about Justin Fields and his struggles already. I just don't think the Bears are very good really anywhere on their, you know, I I just don't, I don't feel like they're very good. And I think that the Giants offense can move the ball. I think Saquon Barkley is looking really good this year. Um, You know, Daniel Jones is a head case and who knows, he could throw the game away in a heartbeat. But I just like the, I think they're going to bounce back. Um, and get that win. So that's that's my number one number one bet on the week. Yeah, normally the Seattle Seahawks are a stay away from me for all time. I never want to me put too. money on a team that I'm that I've been passionate about. Um, it would cause me added aggravation. That would be unbearable. Yeah. But I'm kind of like emotionally removed this year. I don't think they're very good, and it's not because I'm just abandoning the Seahawks, but. Let's let's let them figure out what they're going to be and who they're going to be in the next few years and see if they can get back up to the level that they mm-hmm. were at. I'm still there. I'm still monitoring. I'm still paying attention, but I'm opening myself up to things like betting on them. So this this week I'm taking Detroit uh, minus four and a half. Um, payout is one uh, minus one one oh six. Um, this I, was, I like that bet a lot too. I really do, but I, I'm in the same boat as you. I just won't. I refuse to bet against my team right. or, or for my team. Either way, I'm not doing it. So I think what we should do is establish a rule so that when we bring up these numbers, we're checking it Tuesday night. 
Okay. Um, just so we are on the same page Perfect. with the uh, things. But I checked it Monday when I started to kind of go through my notes here, and it was minus six. So they were, they were. Some... And it's already moved down to minus four. Yeah, so four and a half. Yeah. Oh, so all the money's coming in on Seattle. Yep. Then. That wow. I was like, I don't know why people are hitting on hitting the Hawks right but now. But usually the public moves the line one way, and then all the the sharp betters go in on the other side. Yeah, because the they see value, perhaps. Right. Yeah. Um, to me, there's no chance that Seattle moves the ball versus the Lions D. I just I don't think it's going to no. happen. They're they're in Detroit. They haven't been able to move the ball all year. I don't see it happening now. I think that pass rush is going to be all over Geno. He's going to just if if honestly if the defense just covers that seam with the tight end, that seam route with the tight end, there's <laughs> there's nothing. That's like three of our touchdowns are that right. seam route. So, um, yeah, I don't think they have any chance. Um, I think Detroit will be able to run against Seattle's D. Uh, we're having some trouble tackling at the moment. Uh, Goff will have to make two or three big plays. That's, that's the piece that I think is going to be necessary. No turnovers, two or three big plays, uh, throws downfield. Um, they're going to need that in order to win. Uh, but ultimately, Detroit is a better, has a better roster than Seattle and, uh, and therefore a better team. No, I, I I couldn't agree more, man. I could not agree more. Um, my next uh, prediction for the week: I have the Rams plus one and a one and a half points at San Francisco, and I just think that you got you got how much? I want. I had the Rams plus one and a half. I got two and a half on Tuesday, but okay. I have the, I have the same bet. Either I just, way, I just had that. This I I just checked it. Uh, like I, I was kind of throwing that part of my notes in at the last minute here so i guess well, let's let's Wednesday, use the, the tuesday yeah, we'll two minus and two and a half okay. it even, it even makes plus it better. two and a half or minus two and a half it's plus two and a half for the, for the for rams, rams. Yeah. yeah i like that even more than man i would bet that all day um <laughs> so yeah yeah you know you get you if you're getting points on the road with with the defending super bowl champs and that defense i like it yeah uh, especially um you know jimmy g sure did not i mean he looked good against seattle's porous defense but um you know, you Denver and Denver's defense isn't all that great either. So he looked, I mean, he looked really bad in that Denver game. Um, so I, I just think that, you know, matching up against San Francisco and that defensive front plus Jalen Ramsey and those guys in the back. I, I mean, you're what, I, I don't know where, where they're going to go with the ball. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say exactly what you said, but in a, just a different way. Uh, San Francisco's not winning close games no. this year so far. Um, they're not able to get any uh, offense going against the Bears or the Broncos. I don't ex- expect them to be more successful against the Rams D. I just, I don't. Um, winning the division is usually the first goal of a successful season. I have the Rams winning the NFC West. Uh, these are the types of games um, a division winner needs to win. I think uh, they're up to the task, and that's why I picked uh, the Rams plus two and a half. Okay, so. My uh, next prediction, Mike, is the Chargers minus five at the Texans. I feel like the Texans have kind of been playing over their heads a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I've already mentioned in this podcast how kind of leery I am of the Chargers defense, but I just feel like this is is a get right game for Los Angeles, and I think that this is the perfect time to do it. They're, you know, they're they're. One and two on the season. I think this is going to be a good, good way to get back to 500 and kind of, you know, hopefully 
propel towards the rest of your season and um, you know get get your get your uh, guys on the right path. So I'm going to dive into my one and only conspiracy corner hot take here okay. uh, to help you know as a commentary for this. So um, I think the Clippers or the Clippers. I'm ridiculous. I think the Chargers are done. Really? Um, at least for this first half of the season. Um, Herbert looks really injured. Uh, those types of rib rib cartilage injuries, um, there's nothing you can do to fix it. You can't cast it. You can't do anything. It, it, it You're in constant pain. I remember I had um, a f- couple fractured ribs um, and just my daughter like poking at me making me laugh hurt and I imagine that's how Herbert's feeling right now and it's just I don't see that getting any better in the next probably five weeks uh they also um well, lost you're Joe probably, you're probably they, not sleeping well exactly it's it's yeah. it, it, it's a trickle down thing it's just a snowball effect here and Joey Bosa is not going to be in this game uh, he's out two to two to four weeks um at least with a growing injury i believe they're starting center Lindsay and their uh, left tackle slater are both out of this game Ooh. they have outside of their quarterback they have their best defensive player and their best offensive player off out of the out of the game i don't see any way where this team goes any better than two and five over their next uh two, up leading up to their um week eight bye Ooh. I mean, you might be right. I did see that Joey Bosa was put on the uh, injured reserve right before we uh, started. So that's a minimum this four podcast. weeks, right? Yeah, so I think he's out at least four weeks. So that could be a rough one. That's why it was my last one on the list. But um, I just didn't see a lot of games this week that I feel like I want to put money on. There's Every, a lot of everything's real close. They're picking and, them real tight. Yeah, it's it's a lot of real close games. I was looking at Buffalo, uh, Baltimore, but I think that's like a three and a half or mm-hmm. four point that's up in the air really yeah you don't now, know what the teams I, yeah are i could yet, see right? either team winning that game so so i got a little frisky this week um i went tennessee uh is playing indiana i took indiana minus three plus uh the under 43 points that's plus 211 mm-hmm. on that okay i thought obviously i think it's going to be low scoring game um not <laughs> the indiana offense isn't Indianapolis offense isn't doing much uh, with Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be heavy run game, heavy defense. Um, we'll see how it plays out. Um, I think Indianapolis at home can win by a f- can win or you know be in that field goal range in a loss situation. And I think it's going to be low scoring. So um, just playing a little parlay, uh, same game parlay there. What is uh? Bill Simmons calls that something, the parlay of destiny, or I don't know what the hell he called it, uh, where you bet, do a parlay on multiple, or a, a multiple bet parlay on the same game. I forget what they call it, but it's something interesting. I'll, I'll have it for the next episode. <laughs> Please. <laughs> All right, man. So is that, so your, uh, your only conspiracy corner you want to My hot take was, I think the, the Chargers were more? done. No, I, I've covered everything in that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, so what do you got? You know, my only thing was I, ju- I I was like I was really racking my brain trying to think of like something good to to bring up for this week, and then all of a sudden I see um, it pop up on maybe like a Pro Football Talk headline or something like that that Josh Allen. You mentioned earlier that that uh, Miami Buffalo game got very physical. Well, apparently I think in the third quarter of that game, Josh Allen said that they were at the bottom of the pile and 
his manhood was grabbed and tried to be ripped off of his body by oh, was that the player. situation where he ripped the helmet off? Yeah, yeah. And he, I was just like, I can't believe that shit. Like, I mean, you hear about stuff like that back in like the 70s and 80s or whatever. But like, I can't even imagine like somebody's still doing that in 2022 today. Like, what the hell is going on out here? This is crazy. Yeah, just it's a game of inches. What happens here? <laughs> oh, man, maybe a little, maybe a few less inches after uh, last week, but... <laughs> anyway just it's you know it's crazy man i guess win at all costs so that was my only kind of hot take ish thing this week yeah so awesome uh yeah what do you uh did you watch anything good this week that you yeah so what i i read a couple of articles but what we try to do to finish up our our um episode is to talk about some of the things not necessarily related to the kind of week-to-week games Mm -hmm. so my first one i read a great article from the washington post called how the nfl blocks black coaches um and it was an interesting um long-form article read through it some really good um stats and graphs and some real deep dives into the systemic problems with the hiring of uh, black coaches in the NFL. Oh, wow. Um, go check it out if you haven't. Um, so I pulled some, some basic stuff out of it just to kind of set the, set the stage. Uh, since 1989, uh, there have been only 25 black head coaches in the NFL. In the 100-plus year uh, of NFL history, only 26 black men have ever held that title. This is a sport where over 60% of the players are black, as we all know. So since 1990, black head coaches are twice as likely as white colleagues to get fired after leading a team to uh, above 500 or better records. That's crazy to me. Twice as likely. They have a winning season above 500, and they're twice as likely to get fired in that scenario. Wow. Currently, there are um, head coaches that identify as black in the NFL, Todd Bowles at Tampa Bay, Lovey Smith, Houston, Mike Tomlin, Pitt. This is consequently the same as in 2003, the first year of the Rooney Rule. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, so to say that a different way, um, once they in- instituted the Rooney Rule back in 2003, they ended up with three black head coaches. That's the same total that we have essentially 20 years later. So we're not really gaining any ground kind of from a societal standpoint or from a league standpoint here. Now, Roger Goodell and the NFL have at least acknowledged this problem. They have been trying to do better at developing a talent pipeline, um, a cohort of black assistants, coaches, talent um, that are introduced into the broader pool of potential coaching candidates. So this is great. They're trying to develop, you know, uh, black coaches and uh, black assistants and trying to get them kind of taught up and into the pipeline to so they could get these interviews. Um, the black coaching pipeline is great. The problem is, uh, in order for this talent to be realized in this position, um, they have to be hired by uh, the rich, white, old men. Uh, Troy Vin- Vincent, a uh, former player and currently executive states, at the end of the day, uh, we don't make the hires. The fact is white owners are hiring people that look like them, look and act like them. That's the piece that you have to fix. It's not the pipeline. It's not talent development. It's the systemic 
racism that exists at the top level of each one of these organizations. That, that's what needs to be fixed there. Um, the NFL is even lagging behind uh, its uh, fellow corporate America in their diversity hiring. So at, in general, corporate America does a better job than the NFL at you know, uh, diverse, having a diverse um, leadership roles. Black coaches often felt that their interviews were shams scheduled to meet the Rooney Rule requirements, oftentimes after the franchise had already made their final decision in closed doors. Um, there's a feeling that at any speaking out against these practices would result in destroying other future opportunities. So people just stay quiet and put up with it and hope eventually it works. And that seems like a really, really dire, horrible situation to be in. Um, to this day, uh, there are eight teams, 25% of the league, that have never had a black co head coach in their history, interim or otherwise. That's the uh, LA Rams, the New Orleans Saints. Um, apparently, they have. Uh, there was a quote in there where the former owner, he, he's, he had passed away, Benson, had basically said that there's no way that he would ever hire a black coach. Uh, Tennessee has never had a black coach. Dallas. Um, New York Giants, Baltimore Ravens, or the New England Patriots. Um, some of those cities, you kind of look at it and go, that makes sense, I guess. Um, kind of hotbeds of racism just in general. You know, LA, Tennessee, New Orleans, Dallas, uh, Baltimore, and New England, uh, perhaps New York as well. Yeah. Um, there, in, in, in all of this, I thought it was interesting. There was uh, one man. Uh, that was responsible for almost half of the black head coaches hired in the NFL. Do you know who that is? Let me no. say that again. One man is responsible for almost half of the black head coaches hired in the NFL in history. Mike Holmgren? Tony Dungy. Uh-oh. He uh, had assistant coaches Mike Tomlin, Brian Flores, Jim Wasn't Caldwell. Wasn't Tony Dungy a uh, Mike Holmgren assistant at one point, though? I'm just joking. Go ahead. I'm, but but yeah. no, I get it. I we're get not it. talking about the tree. I know. We're talking. Let me finish. Yeah. It's not the coaching tree. It's direct contact, direct hires. Gotcha. He hired these people that eventually they, became coaches. Okay, okay. We're not talking about his coaching tree gotcha. necessarily. Just for clarification. Well, yeah, because I, I was, I was just thinking. That. I was thinking Ray Rhodes. I know was under Holmgren as well in Dungey. But yeah, I, I see. There's probably way more under Dungey than. <clears throat> Do you have a list of them there? Yeah. Mike Tomlin, Flores, Caldwell, Herm Edwards, Leslie Frazier, and Lovey Smith were all asso uh, assistant coaches to Dungy. Okay. Um, there was one degree of separation with Steve Wilkes, who uh, worked under Lovey Smith, and Mike Singletary under um, Leslie Frazier. Okay. Um, while Dungy was the assistant um, with Kansas City, um, he had Marvin Lewis um, as I believe his like quarterback coach or something like that. And then okay. uh, Hugh Jackson and Vance Joseph off of that. Um, there's just been this recent movement. They call it the whiz kid movement. Um, it's basically the Sean McVay coaching tree okay. has led to this disproportionate hiring of offensive minded coaches. So of the 169 offensive coordinators from 1999 to two, uh, 2021, 88% have been white. Um, hmm. and the, the issue is, is that a lot of these, these NFL teams are hiring offensive minded 
coaches. Somebody had mentioned in the article that it was similar to the, the black quarterback problem that existed in the NFL um, that we, we've, we've discussed in, in last season's um, episodes that there was two positions that they wouldn't basically draft or you know sign uh, black players for. That was, that was the quarterback and the middle linebacker where they perceived that there was a, no, uh, a certain amount of intelligence and that was required in order to play those two positions, right. leadership that was required in order to play those two positions. And, they, and the NFL owners and coaches didn't feel that a black, pers- a black man could play those positions. So we know now that that's complete and utter bullshit. Uh, but that same template is being applied to coaches now. Like there's a certain disposition that they don't want, you know. So they'll the of all of the coaches that I mentioned earlier, um, they all came up. I believe, with the exception of Marvin Lewis, they all came up through the defensive track. They were all like defensive coaches. Okay. So that that's where you find a lot of the black coaches in that defensive track. But now you say that, and then you go 80, what was it? 86% of the hires are offensive coordinators. So you can see the disparity there, right? <clears throat> yeah. So, um, and, and this is despite we right now have two Super Bowl winning OCs in the NFL that are black and they still can't get a head coaching job. Eric Bieniemy of Kansas City and uh, Byron Lefwich of of Tampa Bay. So we have two Super Bowl winning coaches sitting out there not getting offers in a quote unquote offensive minded uh, league where we've hired 86% of the head coaches came up in the offensive track. It seems off, right? Yeah. So of the six minority coaches in uh, the NFL right now, five come from the defensive track. Tomlin Bowles, uh, Sala, uh, Lovey Smith, and Ron Riviera. Only one, Mike McDaniels, McDaniels, comes from that offensive track. So there's a lot of other kind of deep dive um, kind of branches out from these major concepts in the article. So if you're if you're interested in really diving into that, go check it out. But yeah, I'll, uh, it really opened my send eyes. Send that here. to me. I'll link it to yeah. the, the notes on the podcast for sure. Yeah, that's super interesting, man. Um, so I only have one uh, one thing that I kind of watched this week outside, but I did want to just break some news real quick and say, oh my goodness. rest in peace to Coolio who died today oh my at 59 years old. I just saw it came across Twitter uh, like five minutes ago. So uh, that's, his, fa- his fantastic voyage is over. Yeah, man. Gosh, he's in gangster's paradise though so. worst song most overrated song of all time <laughs> it was uh it was definitely uh made white people pay attention to hip-hop music a little bit maybe i don't know anyway it was a crossover for sure i mean uh, you hate you hate to see people pass away at the end of the day absolutely. i wasn't a huge fan of his music i did have that first album of his uh back in the day uh, for, i was consuming everything West Coast. Great, yeah man. I was consuming everything. He had some, yeah, he had some great... There, that, that first album was... I, I enjoyed that one a lot. So, so listen to um, Poetic Justice. The the quote-unquote cousin that um, that Tupac had, they were saying, like, my, my cousin's going to like get me in so we can rap. Yeah. The, I think it's Coolio that is being played. And I've been trying to find... Oh, okay. Like, go back and watch Poetic Justice. I will. Go to that thing where, where Tupac 
shows Janet or li- has Janet listen to the music. It sounds like Coolio. Do you know who the East Coast rapper who is Janet Jackson's boyfriend at the beginning who gets murdered at the uh, is that Q-tip? It is Q-tip. Good job, man. Nice call. I was I I, I hadn't watched that movie in probably. 15 years and uh probably like six months ago i threw it on and i was like how like what the hell's q-tip doing i was like i did not even remember that scene like i forgot i forgot all about that her because I, that's why she's like so kind of uh messed up or whatever yeah, that yeah, she's yeah. uh emotional witnessed or whatever that. that she witnessed her boyfriend being murdered but also coolio's song i'm not sure which one either was in clueless I believe mm-hmm. like um there was that scene when they were at the party rolling and, with the homies yeah that's what it is. Yep, yeah, rolling with the homies. There you go. All right. Well, rest in peace, Coolio. Coolio. Uh, did you have another one? Or you want I got, me to go? I got two. No, you I go got two ahead, more, then. so I'll yeah, go with go my ahead. next one. So uh, this one was weird to me. Did you hear that Herm Edwards, obviously, you, I'm sure you heard, Herm Edwards was fired as the head coach of the Arizona Sun Devils yes. after week three of this year. I heard he was fired on the field. On the field yeah. as he was walking I, off I in I the end zone. I saw the clip. I saw the clip. Little nice soft grab of the elbow, bring him into the, you know, where the, I think it was like the president and the athletic director were there. And it's just like, dude, you got to go. The school had been cited um, for, let me see. Okay. The school had cited one of the reasons for the firing um, was news that the ASU football team was being investigated by the NCAA for recruiting violations. Um, I mean, leave it up to the a goal without a plan is a wish guy to violate mm-hmm. recruiting rules in a sport where they are literally <laughs> handing over bags of cash to players. Yeah. So good on you, Herm, I guess. <laughs> One of the biggest oversights, apparently, was a complete lack of management of his staff. So assistant coach Antonio Pierce, yes, that Antonio right. Pierce, of the former linebacker for the New York Giants, alienated staff members by creating toxic culture of rule breaking, which included deliberately and blatantly ignoring NCA mandated dead periods during the COVID pandemic. Staffers uh, captured the proof in a very long text chain that was um, turned over to the NCA oversight committee. So these people were so distressed by what was going on. They basically collected like a text chain of proof with dates and documents right. and everything. Yeah, I heard and there was a bunch of whistleblowers in yeah. the athletic department that were not fans. So Edwards' response to, to the staffers um, all the time and the NCAA later was described as uh, a dismissive. So it didn't seem to really bother him that any of this stuff, like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm just co- coaching football. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty bad Edwards impersonation, but... Whatever. Um, This is what really stood out to me. It also appears that during this time, just after the violations had occurred, um, there were several staffers that were actively trying to get Herm Edwards fired um, and all of the other coaches along with him. Uh, They did this by feeding the opposing coaches um, intel on players' strategy and, and the game plan. Uh, prior to their matchups. So they weren't actively trying to lose the games while the game was in motion, but they did everything in their power to empower the opposing coaches um, to, uh, from a strategic perspective to, to win that game. And that's bonkers to me. I've never heard of it's, anything like it's that. It's so like you hate your boss that much that you're going to, yeah. I mean, but, it, but you think about it, like huh. if you're point shaving, you're manipulating scores in games. True. 
right? We're, we're taking away like the purity of the competition from that fact. To me, right. this is kind of in line with that, right? Yeah, They're not no. doing it for some financial gain, of course, but they are manipulating uh, the competition by feeding another team secrets. So I don't, I haven't heard anything about any consequences to that action, but it's really dirty and it's kind of really messed up. And ultimately they seem to like really be failing the players because they're the ones man. taking that's, the L's. Yeah. That's terrible. That's really terrible. And I heard that. Yeah. A, a huge portion of their, uh, like their quarterback had left. I think their quarterback is at LSU maybe now this year. And then they're, they, they've got, they had like three or four players transfer out. Like one, I think one kid might be at Alabama and doing really well. So it's like, Oh no, uh, Florida state. They have, they had some like six, seven wide receiver that I watched uh, play Louisville last Friday. And this guy would make, caught like three touchdown passes and they were like, Oh, and it sounded familiar. Whatever his, his name's like something really common, like Johnny Wilson or something. And uh, I was like, that name sounds so familiar. And then they were like, Oh, he transferred in from Flo uh, Arizona state last, uh, last season. And I was like, I remember watching this guy catch touchdown passes against the Huskies last year. That's why. So yeah, man, that's uh, you know, yeah. Freaking leave it to Herm Edwards. And like, and that was the thing, like he wanted to be very like hands off. Like he wanted just to have, I want to coach. Of, he wanted to be, yeah. He wanted to be the kind of delegator in chief there and, and not, uh, not be very hands on as far as uh, until game day or whatever, you know what I mean? Have his assistants get all the players ready to go for the, for the week ahead. And um, yeah, I don't know if that works in the, in the, in college football. So, well, it shouldn't work in any type like management structure, honestly, right. from a manager. If you're a good manager, you kind of know at at least a high level of what your, you know, your end users are doing the people at the end of your kind of uh, corporate structure. So he should know what's happening. He should be syncing with his assistant coaches. He should be understanding what's going on with, with their recruiting and where things are and asking those questions. Um, he sh like, honestly, this is an absolute failure in management. Um, I wouldn't hire Herm Edwards in any coaching position after hearing <laughs> this because if he's this kind of I don't really care about this anymore, which is fine, man. If you, right. if you're just done coaching and, and you, you like, you don't want to do this anymore and you don't want to put that effort in and they're just throwing money at you. It is what it is. But if I were hiring somebody, I probably wouldn't, um, hire anyone that had this kind of like background. Yeah. hundred percent. There's no way. Yeah, it, it was a mistake from the get-go. But they did have a couple good runs. But, uh, you know, once the um, – yeah, I mean, I think they made it to a few play, uh, bowl games. But, but God damn if he wasn't quotable. Yeah, he was, man. He's always so good. I, I hope he goes back into television if yeah, nothing else. he was great there yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, Mike, my only thing I really had a chance to watch this week, other than the Mariners just tanking the freaking end of the season and trying their hardest not to make the playoffs. Um, Did they make it? Are they in? It's not over yet. There's like nine Where are more they games. in the wild card? They have a three and a half game lead going into today on so the first Baltimore position? For the third position. Wait. Yeah, they're, Toronto's in the first position. Uh, Tampa Bay there's is in three the wild second. Cards? There's three wild cards this yeah. year. Jesus. We went over this a couple weeks ago. I, it's still like... <laughs> like, I don't understand. I just... I guess I don't care enough to learn. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know, but... 
it's new this year. So anyway, um, so yeah, if they make the third wild card, they'll play Cleveland in the first round of the playoffs. Um, anyway, my uh, the one thing I watched this week, other than that, it was a three part documentary series on Netflix called The Real Bling Ring, and it was fantastic. It's like the most, did you did you know about this? I I'd watched the movie and like I'd heard yeah I mean I vaguely I vaguely remember some of the, like hearing about Paris Hilton's house getting robbed and things like that Orlando Bloom's house getting robbed yeah this um, this happened back in the early aughts like yeah o, like o, o, it was like oh oh four oh five okay, I think okay. they got caught in like oh eight or something like that or maybe so yeah maybe it was like oh six oh seven and they got caught in oh eight but I mean these kids were just like. You know, they, they were from the, the valley on the other side of the Hollywood Hills and really wanted to be famous. And it was kind of the time when, like, keeping up or the, the Paris Hilton, it was before keeping up with the Kardashians. It was like the, it was when Paris Hilton and um, Lionel Richie's daughter, Nicole Richie, were, had their, they had a couple of different, just ridiculous reality shows. And they were going to, uh, so yeah, these kids were just like wanted to be famous so bad. So they start for some reason they started breaking into uh, cars and you know they would go in Calabasas. They would go to these parties and then as they were leaving, they would check car doors and like the, all these like super they would nice go cars in. They would, would go into the closets at the houses. Well, yeah, but this was this is how they started was yeah. just by checking car doors like as they were leaving parties and they would find like few hundred you know a few hundred a few thousand dollars in just in people's cars you know and so like they stole a couple cars and were just like screw it and they were saying how back then they had uh dealer plates and so they were saying how they drove around for months in like a stolen car just they they would just go and find new dealer plates all the time like from other people buying like a bmw whatever i forget what kind of car they said it was but they would just go steal somebody else's dealer plates off of their bmw and put it on this one they stole and just keep driving it around like so if i remember correctly there was like a reality tv show that followed one of the moms and that she was like bonkers that she wanted her kids to be famous right and one of the kids in that was involved in this ring and there was also a like a regular movie alexis nyers was that girl's name was the daughter's name that was involved in in it um and nick prugo was the one the the main guy that was involved and it was really it was nick prugo and and another girl he went to high school with that started stealing stuff originally and they originally broke into paris hilton's house because they figured out that you could you you, there were websites devoted to finding celebrities addresses and so they once he figured out what the address was then he would google map it figure out like a way like and they all lived up in the hollywood Hills, so you could take these kind of back um like they had a bunch of dirt roads up through there that were for firefighters to access uh, access points. And so they would just go. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah, so they yeah. would go hiking up these dirt roads and just say, you know, well, just it, dip in. It, well, if we get caught, like uh, we're just teenagers out for an evening hike or whatever, you know, like leave us alone. And, you know, you get up to a certain point, you jump, you figure out where it's at, you jump the fence and, and, and they were able to like kind of triangulate like, Oh, well, off of like uh, TMZ or whatever that Paris Hilton's in Miami this weekend, so let's go to her house and the, the and 
like half of these celebrities like didn't even lock their front doors so they would just walk in and they said they would go back to they went back to Paris Hilton's house like eight times or something before uh they like just ran out of stuff to steal like to the point where she would know that stuff was being stolen and then they had somebody go in and just like completely rip it off and um but yeah, like this Alexis Nyers girl who was part of this uh, e-reality show was essentially, it, it really goes into the fact like how desperate people are and were for for fame and, and celebrity. And it's just, it's really pretty sickening. Uh, but yeah, like these kids were so obsessed and like, so she's on this reality show and I can't remember what the name of the reality show is off the top of my head. I had it written down. I can't find it now, but um she would she was basically on heroin like she was doing so many pills and like that she was to the point where she was actually shooting up heroin and they were like oh let's recreate the scene where you got arrested okay and so they would make her do all this shit that was just like totally traumatizing to her and she's already a drug addict and you know ended up and she's doing there it seems like these kids are doing well now like as far as um you know, like this girl is, is a counselor, like for other people who are dealing with drug issues and stuff like that. So she kind of has gotten her life together and Honestly, know, married it, with children. It, it, it sounds and stuff. like a white privilege redemption oh, story. For sure. For sure. And these and they probably got paid a shitload of money to do this documentary, but um, yeah. And, and then you don't think of it like they talked to uh, Audrina Patridge, who is on some MTV reality the show, maybe the Hills. Like yeah. I think that is the one. And she was talking about how basically she's like, I've never been back into that house. Like after I got robbed, I, she's like, it made, cause I mean, she was never like a famous person before that show. Right. So she just got famous because of the show. She was just some rich kid. And then she gets her house robbed and like, she's like, it's not so like that they, version now is like, um, influencers, right? Yeah. We, we pretty much mainstream society. I don't think knows them like we right? used to. Right. right so exactly. everyone knew Paris Hilton and some of these kind of like Kim Kardashian, of course, before, you know, they got into like the, the, the show. So just because they were around in the team, they were around in when they had like entertainment tonight and, you right. know, extra, they were all about all of that stuff. We don't, I mean, maybe I'm just not watching those shows as much anymore, but yeah, I'm on I Twitter. I mean, there has to be some sort of like place where these people exist. Right. Now. Yeah. But we definitely that I think it was the beginning of like that, that celebrity from nothing it was right. just created from, you know, nothing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it, it was it, it was very interesting. Very, very. I mean, yeah, it's just a interesting look at the kind of the celebrity like the desire to be a celebrity and how ridiculous it is that we prop some of these people up. And um, well, we've, we've hovered over it a couple of times as we scrolled through Netflix over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think uh, the consensus between uh, me and Angie is like, we have to have the right state of mind to like yeah. sit down and focus on that. But yeah, I mean, it was entertaining. It's kind of like mindless entertainment. You know, if you're like not, if you're looking for something just to, to not really have to think too hard about like it was it was kind of entertaining yeah. so yeah but yeah that's really the only thing i watched outside of of football and and terrible mariners baseball this week so i knew it was coming get out him <laughs> keep, keep that same energy in october mike <laughs> god damn it all right so oh wait breaking news aaron judge just tied roger maris's single season american home run record 
American League home run record, I should say. Can I go on record as saying as I don't give a shit? It's 61. Yeah. Get to 76 or whatever it is. Yeah. And then come talk to me. I saw a tweet today of uh, a person like looking like they were going nuts sitting in their car. And it was like day 12 of Roger Maris Jr. driving to the ballpark to have to well, back then, put his, a smile his, on. His hair was falling out. He was so stressed as he was chasing that, yeah. that record. He just... He couldn't handle it. Um, I, I hope you know Judge is doing better. Um, well, with but that, with people that didn't like, even the Yankee fans didn't want Roger Maris to break that record at the right. time though yeah. because they all love Babe Ruth yeah. or the history of Babe Ruth. So anyway, interesting. Yeah. All right, this just in. All right, cool. So the last thing I wanted I, I had to bring up today was uh, I watched a show um, called Devs uh, this week. I've I've I have it on my list. Of it's stuff a, it's to watch. it's an eight episode kind of mystery box uh, miniseries. I love that they're bringing the mini miniseries back. It's you got eight episodes or four episodes, and it's just like you have that kind of three act like formula, and you have a resolution. It's like the way the writing is. You 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 can end it. You don't have to like find some way to keep it going in for season two or season three. So. I've been really enjoying these kind of miniseries, uh, kind of uh, prestige TV shows. Yeah. So this devs is basically, I guess the high level description is um, woman who works at a tech firm as a cybersecurity expert. Her boyfriend goes missing, who also works at the same firm, goes missing, and she tries to figure out what's happening. But as you watch it, you understand like there's uh, I guess I'm going to do some spoiler stuff here. So if you haven't seen it yet, um, I guess I haven't seen it yet. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I don't think I'm spoiling too Go much. Go ahead. It's, it's been out for like two years. Yeah. Mike. <laughs> I think it's OK. Yeah. Um, there the, the idea of what they're creating in that space, it really kind of makes you think, you know, about a little bit more existentially than I don't know maybe the bling ring would have um it was a really 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 good show uh, I had really good conversations uh with my wife about it um it was essentially this guy loses his wife and daughter um this entrepreneur tech entrepreneur and develops this um, device algorithm machine um, that is trying to basically decode the universe um, and proving that particles that exist in time now exist in parallel and at the same time as particles that existed in the past and particles that exist in the future. And then if you can basically find a way to access that data, the universal data that um, you can essentially bring people back to life, um, at least in some sort of kind of simulation or alternate reality. So, um, yeah, it was, it brought up a lot of, like, like I said, some, some amazing questions, uh, amazing, con you know, conversations based on it. I had, a, it was a great watch. Um, there is some intrigue and murder and stuff in there too. So it's, uh, it keeps you, keeps you on your toes. 
um, some really good twists on some stuff, and I thought they landed the plane afterwards, so I felt pretty good about how it ended. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend you seeing this. Yeah, I'll check. I'll check it out for sure. Yeah, and like you said with the miniseries things, I I love like especially like HBO miniseries because they've had like True Detective, mm. which it's funny to me. We kept they, going back to True Detective. Well, they in a always lot of ways, that first season. At yeah, least. well, they uh, and that's the thing is like True Detective was only meant to be uh, a one-off miniseries. Uh, that first season was all it was supposed to be, but it was so popular. No, 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 no. They brought it back. He was planning on doing it, but it was, it's an anthology series. So each oh. each season is a self-contained story that doesn't relate to okay. anything else. So it does, it can follow that same structure underneath the True Detective okay. banner. Well, I know. And they're it, coming out so with another season, by the way. HBO, yeah, I heard that. Um, HBO, though, they, with, uh, for sure, with Big Little Lies and White Lotus, those were both only supposed to be one one-off miniseries uh, or limited series, and they both like the popularity of both of those. Which I recommend anybody who hasn't seen White Lotus yet. I thought that was fantastic and like dark comedy, just genius. Season uh, one, Big Little Lies was really good too. And season one, yeah, season two was all right. Whatever. But, wasn't the best i love meryl streep and meryl streep is in it so i was like i was all on board but so i added um, postcards from the edge one of my favorite show movies of hers back in uh, i believe the 80s 90s that time frame um it's in my uh, it's on hbo it's in my uh my list i'm I'm looking forward to go watch it i haven't seen that in a long time she plays an actress i believe her mother shirley mcclain she has issues with her i mean that's just comedy gold there with between meryl streep and shirley mcclain and yeah her pretending you know her being an actor it's it's very meta and it's pretty funny. It's a good that show. Good movie. Great. Yeah, I'll check that oh, out. Oh, I forgot I forgot to bring up the the writer director of Devs, uh, uh-huh. Alex Garland, had done a couple of other things that I really liked too. So if you liked like Ex Machina or uh the Annihilation um movie, it's based on a book, but um uh Garland had mentioned that he couldn't do the book version, so he did kind of like a loosely based on the book version that he that he f- had a vision for so um if you've seen ex machina um and annihilation uh and you liked them this devs you'll you'll really enjoy if if i was going to err on a side it's probably closer to ex machina than it is i did see ex machina i liked it so i thought it was great this is great go check it out alex garland's a, a, a genius will do all right well until next week, I'm happy to uh, happy to be here doing this podcast once again, Mike. Please don't wear your Russell Wilson shirt to my house ever again. Eh, I pulled it out of the laundry. Jeremy, if anyone but you returns this podcast to me, you're going to wish you'd never been born. <laughs> Until next week, guys. Listen, like, rate, review, share, all that good stuff. We appreciate you.